rural fiber. Uh, all right, podcast. Dude, yeah, I can't say that. Yeah. Choo, 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 Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Okay, so let's move seamlessly now. And I'm Turt Reynolds? Uh, <laughs> Dirty, though. Uh, <laughs> Settle down, Don. <laughs> we need to give a parental advisory for this? Clicking furiously on my mouse. Eat it. Uh, <laughs> eat the paella. <laughs> That's hot. All right, everybody. Let's get swifty. That was cool. That was fun, guys. Awesome. Yeah. Oh. Welcome to another endearing episode of Men of Low Moral Fiber, the show that only smokes cigarettes to increase our sanity and slightly our health, too. Just not as much. Anyway, uh, I'm your host, Ben Helms, and with me, per usual, is my caribou brewing, snowmobile racing, Iceman caressing big brother and co-host, Jason Helms. How's it going, sir? Why, like, why even take the arrow out of him? Like, why is that a thing? Leave it alone. Like, just leave it, leave it in there. Leave it there. It's not like you're drugged or something. Like, it's just... For some reason, as a game player, it's the only thing you're allowed to do in that moment. Will you explain to me why I kept having visions? Sure. And then sometime in the next 45 minutes. Absolutely. Okay, Absolutely. Good. I just you're want not... that to happen. I don't know why I kept having them. I don't know why I kept touching the caveman. Anyway, sorry. I, I don't think you'll be satisfied with my answer. Cool. Go on. Sweet. It was the Yellow King all along. Awesome. Yes. <laughs> Welcome to a True Detective after show. Oh, uh, my it's going to be a special after show because Ben hasn't seen this season. Yes. So. yes lots, lots of in jokes that only Jason gets <laughs> and only Jason tells. So it'll be a really weird episode. Anyway, today we're talking all about the 2016 Kickstarter funded game Kona, uh, which is a first person puzzle adventure survival game. It kind of has more of those first-person shootery games than any other walking simulator that we've played, that I've played at least. Yeah, you actually get a gun. You get a gun? Multiple guns. You get a couple guns. guns. Yeah, exactly. Get an axe to chop wolves with. <laughs> hey, could I do anything with those flares? I never. Used I didn't them. get any flares. Oh, oh we'll I get to that. So we'll flares. get to that. Oh, my I gosh. So All right, anyway. Uh, anything else to, to add to the conversation before we jump into to the dev? Uh, no, this is a, a quick game. It's available uh, a variety of places, and it's fairly cheap. So uh, we're going to get into dev, and we're going to get into spoilers pretty quickly into the uh, story itself. Yeah. So uh, I'd say uh, if you're interested in this game, I think we've given you a bit already, which is uh, let's get to one of the things we really liked, I think both of us liked, before we even get into the dev, which is the atmosphere. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I thought that the the look and feel of the game, even just running around, I thought kind of like the basic controls of running around, it's a cla- classic WASD control game, uh, first-person shooter type controls, and... I liked that. I liked just yeah. kind of exploring the world. Uh, it was a little panicky. It has a survivalist kind of nature as well type game uh, because you find yourself pretty quickly in the middle of a snowstorm without a jacket. Yep. And so you're blinded by this blizzard that you're in. You're constantly, your health is going lower. Your warmth is getting lower. So you're having to set uh, or having to uh, start fires and fireplaces kind of in every building you go to to warm up and think straight and see straight and all that kind of stuff. So very stressful throughout. Very different than uh, like Firewatch where you can yeah. just kind of like walk around and sit and watch the sunset and walk, you know, there's no like stressful point in that whole game other than like story beats. Right. Yeah. Now maybe the very ending where you're like running back to your tower, but even that is like a 30 second thing. And this kind of the whole time very, very much feels like if you don't do this next thing, you will die pretty quickly. Yes. So I want to say two, two things it did with atmosphere that you may really like one. It was the, uh, it takes place in far Northern Canada. Mm -hmm. And, um, so it's bleak, snowy it feels like uh john carpenter's the thing yep, you know yep. just this total isolation uh the world is out to get you and that that's fantastic and then if you uh grew up in quebec in the 70s uh it's really gonna connect with you nostalgically yeah because yeah. it really paints that world well i will also say i think that there are some issues 
in terms of uh, the puzzles and the um, uh, actually the loading between sections of the map so that I, I did not enjoy exploring all that much because it kept pausing for 10 to 15 seconds to load. Now I played it on switch. Interesting. Okay. I heard, I heard notes of that too. It, it paused a few times on, I played on my Mac, but it did. Okay. So let's back it up real quick. Okay. Yeah. Big picture. We're, we're just kind of BSing here with our general thoughts. We will organize them. Now we're going to, we're going to first talk about uh, the making of some dev stuff. Then we'll get into the gameplay. We'll actually have a separate gameplay bump in this episode. Yeah. But like the past few episodes, we've just kind of like mushed it all together for 40 minutes. We're going to try to be a little black and white here, separate them. And then we'll get into some, what's the beer? What's the song? Uh, which has become uh, what's the scotch? What's what's the song recently for me? Uh, and uh, of course, we'll talk about what else we've been playing and what we're going to be playing next month uh, with our good friend Ch- Sean Thompson, uh, who played. He played. Uh, was it Sam and Max with us? I believe last time. I think so. That sounds right. Oh man, what a classic! And we're going to play a newer game with him next month. So it's really excited for that. Uh, but yeah, can we go to the dev first, and then we'll get into the gameplay? Yes. And I, I just want to give people that because it's a five to six hour game. If that sounds good to you, go hit it up and then come on yeah. back. Yeah, yeah, unless if you use as many cheats as I did. There you go. I mean, hints, hints, helpful, helpful hints. All right, so it all started back in 20, I don't know, before 2016, because that's when the game came out. And Alexander Fassett uh, left his job at Activision uh, and started a video game company, Parabole, and started a Kickstarter, because he had this idea for a game. Kona was the idea. He had kind of the whole the whole game, for the most part, written out, scripted. And the idea was there. He'd started development, and he started a Kickstarter. He raised 40 grand. That was his benchmark. He was able to get over that to start, basically to start development on the game. Uh, And through that, he was able to actually get more funding from banks, from investors in the company and the game. And then also, Jason, as you alluded to earlier, the Canadian Media Fund. Canadian Media Fund. Which we'll get into. uh, And the game ended up costing, I mean, it's it's a real game. So $40,000 is not enough to make a real game. Might be unfair to games, like to indie games that cost $40,000. But this is a good looking game with good puzzles, well thought out world immersive real video game ended up costing half a million dollars to make. So that Kickstarter was basically just to, to prove to investors that they had that initial seed money, right? Yeah. 250,000 of which came from that Canadia Canadia. Yeah. Nailed it. Yep, Canada media fund. We're there. We're doing good. And Jay, were there any strings attached to that Canadia media fund? So, okay. So the answer is no. Um, okay. a, a couple things I want to point out about the uh, Canadian media fund. One, it is not government money. It is actually, and I, I heard an interview with Alexandre Fisset, uh explain it, and what he said is that this is actually money paid by the cable companies. It's kind of a 1% tax. Okay. Even then, it's not actually a tax because they get the money back. So the uh, Canadian cable companies all pay this in, and it's because they used to have to give more towards Canadian public broadcasting. When they shifted that uh, over the last 10 to 15 years – this turned into the Canadian Media Fund. So they put a bunch of money into a pool called the Canadian Media Fund. That money then gets loaned out to people who are making experimental new media stuff. So video games falls under that. That money then has to be paid back to the fund. And in fact, it is an investment and continues to make money afterwards. So the way it works is they gave 50% of the initial cost of the game, right? Yeah. They gave 250000 yeah, yeah. So as Kona starts selling... of revenues goes back to the Canadian Media Fund. Got it. And after they're fully paid back, 25% goes back. So they still get to make money off of it. Wow. 
Uh, and as far as I can tell, there's no strings attached. Well, that's a pretty big string. But as far as like, uh, as far as creative freedom, no strings. Yeah, one vibe we were getting is like, oh, this is this kind of a Canadian tourism thing because there is a lot of stuff about Canada in there. And it's like, yeah. no, 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 that's just their passion. That's they want it similar to how Gone Home wants to tell a story about Portland. Uh, you know, the, this team wanted to tell a story not just about Canada but about rural Quebec. So one other note from that is uh, the game The Messenger, which came out last year and uh, was nominated for a bunch of indie game awards. I'm not sure which ones it's won yet. was also uh, funded by the Canadian Media Fund. And so far as I know, has nothing particularly Canadian about it uh, in terms of the kind of touristy stuff that this does. Interesting. Yeah, I definitely thought that there would be some strings attached because there was like random like Canadian like Explore Canada posters and not just in like that um, that central lodge at the beginning. Uh, but just kind of like random people's homes would have a Canada poster on it or like a Canada magazine. It's just very Canadian. Yeah. And the thing that blew my mind is I saw a couple reviews actually by people who grew up in the seventies in Quebec who were like, yeah, no, no, no. They nailed 1970s rural Quebec. So evidently people of this time were just like, no, no, I have a poster that just says Canada on it. That's just a thing that I have in my room. Right. Very patriotic. Good for them. Hey, cool. That's great. Cool. Cool. Long live the queen. All right. So. Any more in development? I mean, they made the game, and thanks, Canada. It, pretty much it. Uh, a little bit more. They made it in Unity. Um, and sure. one, I got to say, you you kind of alluded to this, that it's a real game. It It's a beautiful game. It is. It really and is. one of the ways that they captured that, because that's tough to do with a half a million. That is not a very yeah. large budget no, for a game. Good. One thing that probably jumped out to you is it's really difficult to make trees look good. Yes. Um, in game design. We talked about and, this in the going back to Firewatch. Yeah. With um, Ollie Moss. We talked about him basically designing a tree and like teaching all the other uh, developers how to make trees really efficiently. Ben, I don't want to break your heart, but Ollie Moss has been replaced. You son of a... There is a Unity plugin called Speed Tree. Oh my gosh. This is and like five I years watched, ago or whatever. <laughs> I watched a 25 minute demo on it. Um, you know how to make Ollie Moss trees. I know. No, I know how to make avatar trees because evidently this was also used for avatar. Oh um, but basically it's a tool for procedurally generating trees. There you go. All and right. uh, I watched, looked through it and it looked pretty impressive and amazing. And there is a free version of it for Unity. So now all I want to do is make trees all day. But that's that's the answer to how did they make it look so good. They figured out some things like that, which is don't pay Ali Moss to do it, but find this procedurally generated tool. Sure. Uh, so, so they used the money in really smart ways, and they were really effective with it. Alright, so gameplay? Gameplay. Let's do it. Yeah, so the, I guess this game was pretty fun, Jay. But 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 it did have a few frustrations. With frustrations, with that, frustrations. That, that's, that's right. right. I've heard the Ben song. from three years ago who made that. <laughs> you are correct. There were a couple frustrations. Let's focus on the good. You want to do that for a few minutes? Yes. Uh, we already started that. The game was beautiful. I liked a lot of the puzzles. I think the the puzzles made sense. Yeah. Uh, as yes. far as on a micro level. 100%. Right, if I needed to make the caribou, I knew exactly what to get to make those things. Oh, the, the snowmobile puzzle, right? Yes. So you're a bit you're a bit annoyed with his character, and you're like, wait, so that his snowmobile didn't get stolen, he put the parts all around his entire <laughs> junkyard, mm-hmm. and then hid the key way across town. It's like, as you get to know this character, you're like, yep, that adds up. That's that's exactly what he would do. Yeah. I'm surprised he didn't make it tougher on me. Just kind of a paranoid dude. Yep. 
Yep, yeah. he thought aliens were coming after him, so he yeah. distributed skis throughout his yard. I, I'm there. This is this is a good time to get in the story. Spoilers, yeah. all that good Let's stuff. Uh, I, I think I wrote that. Should I read my my synopsis as soon as Please. I finish the game? Before you get there, let's give them just a little bit of the actual synopsis. Okay, because, yeah, Brent is listening to this episode, and he's not going to play the game. So, Which is that you play as a private eye. Yep. Carl Flaubert. Is that right? I didn't know his last name. I'm going to say. Carl. Um, there's a narrator uh, talking about you the entire time. Which was uh, It was a tough get for me to kind of, like, get into that narrator voice. It seemed very much Jane the Virgin, if you've ever watched that show. It was very much like... Oh, but then Carl wasn't sure what he should do with yes. the tread of the snowmobile. Yes. Yep. The puzzle is not finished, Carl thought to himself. Hint, hint. Damn, Carl thought that a lot to himself in my game. <laughs> he did. What are you doing, Carl? Said Carl. the disembodied voice. Carl inexplicably stripped off his clothes and ran into the woods. Jason, what are you doing? Stop. I wish I could close my eyes. <laughs> so, so Carl Flaubert is called out to, the, to rural Quebec. Yes. To uh, to solve a mystery. Uh, the wealthy capitalist in town has his lumber mill or something. I don't know. His, his factory's mine. His mine. He, his stuff's getting a vandalized. Mine! Um, they call it a mine. By the way, I and will say, just vandalized. interrupting yeah, you really, no, really. I just watched Hold the Dark uh, three or four days ago. Do you, have you seen it yet? Yes. So uh, good. So, oh, Sonia. Sonia. Oh, my so gosh. Good. We haven't talked about this. We oh. had a whole Sonia pod like a year ago. You know what we haven't talked about? Is Sonya directing True Detective uh, the season first three? Two, yeah, thanks for bringing it back to True Detective. The, no, just the the first two episodes of that. Uh, I think he did more. He definitely did the first two, but I think he did a couple other episodes later. Anyway, Sonya, Hold the Dark. Hold the Dark is about a a guy being called to rural North America, Alaska in this case, uh, to investigate crimes. There's some there's some themes in common. You're not wrong. Yeah, I, I'm I'm thinking that through now. There's lots so, of like murdery wolf stuff too. Whoa, yeah. they're the Whoa. same. Wow, well, hold the Kona. There's, there's masks. Kona um, the, the Dark. Oh, uh, and I'm pretty sure Macon Blair makes a cameo in Kona. I'm just going to assume it. I think he directed the 34th minute of... The, no, yes. anyway. Sorry, yes, we're done here. That minute. Keep going, please. Uh, so, uh, Carl Flaubert is heading into town, and it's it's uh, a nice fall day, crisp air. Uh, there's a car accident, uh, and when he wakes up, holy crap, it's a blizzard. And the rest of the yeah, game... Yeah, that weather turned. Yeah, that weather turned. I'll explain that, too. Ooh. Uh, the the rest of the game takes place in this blizzard as he has to solve this somewhat supernatural mystery. Yes. Are there aliens involved? Friend, there are not. Uh, but somebody thinks there are. Um, is it still supernatural? Yes. Yes. Yes, uh, yes. yes. And so Hamilton is the name of this wealthy mine owner. He is an American. Come to this town and uh, and people don't seem to like him very much. So, Ben, now what do you think happened during the rest of the game? Hamilton bought the area. Sure. Something about a mine. You're not wrong. Then he started blackmailing people. I think there was something about blackmail in there. There, there was uh, definitely that. Then he killed a lady. I think it was yep. a hunting accident. Yep. Accident in quotes because it seemed like it was malicious because everyone – I mean I guess even if it was an accident, people would not like him for that. It's yeah. not a thing you would like someone for. I like how he accidentally killed that woman. He accidentally <laughs> killed that lady. You were really like uh, that guy. Bad sport. It was, it was totally on accident. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the lady was having an affair with someone. Then a Cree god showed up with an arrow in his heart. The, the doctor killed Hamilton, I believe. But the doctor wasn't dating the lady. The doctor was just mad about the unjustness of the lady being killed by Hamilton. Also probably something else. Something about the Cree god being the embodiment of injustice or of jealousy. Some, some emotion. Uh, and something about his fiance 
and he threw wolves at me. There you go. I think he nailed it. Uh, okay, cool. Let me just plug in a few things. So, Unpack so you it. do get into town, and uh, you do find Hamilton dead. Uh, he's been murdered. And, as Ben has told you, it was the doctor who done it. Ah. There's a light element of blackmail from Hamilton to the doctor. Okay. In that uh, the doctor knows that Hamilton uh, killed a woman in a hunting accident. But and... there were a bunch of people there, though. Sure, sure. And Hamilton says, ah, but I know something about you, comrade. Because oh, yeah. the doctor is a socialist. That's right, a socialist. A commie. Yeah. Let me be very clear. The woman that, that was killed uh, was Cree. Got it. She was not having an affair with anyone. And Cree is a is a Native American uh, nation up there. Oh, yeah, okay. Nation, that's right. And the word Kona is Cree for snow. So there you go. Got it. Make it it's all making sense now. It's coming back. All right. No one was having an affair with the Cree woman. Uh, she is just a, a random passerby. Why did I think there was an affair? I think well, because I the doctor totally was so... why. Okay, okay. Yes. Uh, the doctor transferred all of his grief about his wife's death onto this poor woman who had just been killed. Got it. And then decided, I am going to be this force of justice. Now, in the end narration, when they're trying to do the exposition, which I think was not that great, because a lot of people had these same questions, and I don't think it was meant to be as mysterious as it was. He said, remembering his wife, remembering his lost love, or something like that. It's like, well, yes, you remembered her, but she's not his lost love. Let's, let's make sure the viewer at home gets that. Man, yeah. Because lots of people have the same interpretation you did. Which almost would be like a tidier story if they were dating. Well, let me tidy like, oh, it he up killed, a little bit more. He killed the doctor's wife, and so the doctor had to get revenge, right? That, would, that, that yeah. to me, in a five-hour game, makes it a little tighter, a little more sense. Well, let me, let me tidy it up a little bit more. Okay. Uh, no Cree God, because she had a fiancé, the woman who was killed. And so it's just straight up him come back for revenge. But he is maybe empowered by a Kree god or by some kind of supernatural forces of the Kree He's nation. like a centaur or something. Yeah, yeah, he is. Uh, he's a Wendigo is what he is. Thank you. Um, now, I've never seen the Wendigo depicted with antlers. Usually it's some kind of wolf form. I like um, it. It was terrifying. My, oh, I love Wendigos. I, I have a whole uh, – I told a, a dread RPG story using Wendigos, and it was fantastic. Love Wendigos. Wow. The basic Megan Wendigo are so story, into Wendigos. Oh, so into Windigos right now. Um, the basic Windigo story is uh, someone eats human meat and then turns into a Windigo, which is this monster that like goes around trying to eat humans. There's an episode of Always Sunny about that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, there's some great Wolverine comics about it. Um, yeah, yeah. So anyway, so this guy turns into a Windigo that is a little bit different than the pop culture version that I know. I'm not sure if this is more or less accurate. I've still got some issues about appropriation in this game that we can talk about later. Yeah. And... The uh, this Cree man goes on a revenging rampage, uh, but the problem is the target of his vengeance is already dead, so he can't kill him. So he just is killing everybody else in town. And then Carl, of course, finds him at the end. He's been shot with an arrow, and Carl, for some reason, pulls it out. Now, here is the question I have: Yeah, who shot that arrow? Huh? Because Carl is reading notes from a hunter who is hunting a Wendigo and seems to understand that the Wendigo is supernatural. He's he's reading, like, Van Helsing's notebook. Right, right. right. But there's no mention of this Van Helsing guy. Like, uh, I don't know. Could have just been one of the four people that was hunting that ends up being one of the ice people? Sure. Yeah. There's a bunch of stuff about a hunter. Yeah. But these are arrows that are supernaturally warm. So unless there is somewhere a recipe for making, like... Supernatural arrows. Yeah, I, I think that that was like a, a, a plot line that got cut, or yeah. that you got to read a lot of people's journals to find. Yeah, there was. I tell you what, so I read a lot much of stuff to read. I read a lot of journals, a lot of docs, a lot of journals. 
Oh uh, so some other things that we found out, some things that I only found out by reading reviews, a big part of this story is the relationship between um, Anglos, which is English speakers and Americans, and the Quebecois, who are French speakers. Oh, okay. uh, and the Quebecois have, uh, or especially at this time, had a pretty big distrust of Anglos. Yeah, I don't know if we said it. It's set in 1970. I think it's set in maybe we said that at the time. Yeah, yeah. I don't think so, but it was. Um, and so I don't know the political details of this, but I'm I'm sure that there are some reasons that they hate the English-speaking Canadians and that they really got screwed over by them in a lot of ways. Uh, and historically, there has been a uh, Quebecois separatist movement uh, to try to make uh, Quebec its own nation, right, and split it off from the rest of Canada. Yeah. Uh, and so when you find the notebooks about how we're going to kill Hamilton – and, you know, the revolution must rise. I was reading that in connection with the doctor's Marxism. It had nothing to do with his Marxism. Right. Yeah, same. It, it had everything to do with the English. It's much more like the South will rise again than it is like, you know, throw off your – you have nothing to lose but your chains. Right, 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 right. right. Interesting. And so those, those two things are happening at once. I just understood both revolutions have been the same thing. The other thing that I picked up on from this review uh, was that – it doesn't do a great job of talking about uh, the Cree people um, because if you think about no. it, there's this story of the, the Quebecois and they are the poor marginalized group here, which I'm sure is true. But that's also to forget that they are also the colonizers and that the Cree have been marginalized by them. And the Cree, for the most part, are just a backdrop in this. Uh, at one point, a mystical backdrop that offers supernatural vengeance and they become a monster – uh, so there's a lot of weird, gross tropes that are going on around that. Um, but yeah, that's some of the kind of political backstories that you may have missed. Yeah, I think we should also mention someplace in here about the the cultural differences, not only between the, the Francophone townsfolk and the Cree and all, all sorts of cultures within the game, but also our culture being different. We are from uh, United States of America, not Canada. And so we don't understand fully. And also we're you know, 50 years in the future from when the game was set. Uh, but, you know, a different country from the creator of the game as well. So I think I have a, a lot of trouble identifying issues in the game more so than a game that was set in North America or yes. set in the United States of America. Right. So there will be things we miss is all that uh, is all that yeah. to say. Uh, so I don't want to say that we're going to cover all the cultural differences and appropriation that were probably present in the game um, just because we are so far removed from that. Yeah, and I should note that pretty much most of my read there, uh, especially about the political stuff, it was relying on someone else's read where uh, this was written by someone who was from Quebec and said, you know, here's some things they did well. Here's some things that not so great, uh, but I just was completely unaware of. Uh, and we'll put the link to that in the in the description as well. So you can read through that to people that know more about the uh, the game or more about the, the cultural details uh, than we do. So And most of our information about the making of came from a uh, Gama Sutra um, – Let's play that they did with the creator uh, talking over them while they were playing it. So it's, it's yeah, a pretty yeah. solid let's play to check out about an hour long. It is really good. Yeah. Uh, and so we should uh, let's get back to gameplay. Maybe a couple yeah. things we didn't like. Let's do it. Uh, I think the, the controls and it, it almost feels um, trite to say the controls about yeah. a game you don't like. But maybe that's because we talk about Red Dead so much and that's your go to. <laughs> uh, but I mean, that, yeah, I think the controls were a struggle throughout the game. Uh, especially in the car. I just ran into so many trees. So uh, It took me a while to kind of get And then the- my brain went down when I ran into a tree. It was like, oh, your brain power went down. It's like, no, no, <laughs> that's, why I hit, that's why I hit the tree. Right, this is not helping. There's no solution here. That's a spiral. Uh, and then apparently you played on Switch, right? Yes. You couldn't look at a map when you were uh, driving I the car? 
could, but it wasn't – it didn't tell you where things were. It was just a map. Oh, of it lost all the identifiers. Gotcha. So it lost all the okay. identifiers. Yeah. Um, it, which is okay. Once you get exploring more, you kind of get the lay of the land. You figure out where you are. Um, I also made one error fairly early on, which was there's this tree that fell across the road right yes. in front of the general store. Yeah. And I tried to go and pass it. It said, it said something, and I swear the narrator said something like, oh, Carl wasn't getting back this way. Oh, and I just okay. assumed that whole part of town would get, like, unlocked later. Right. And what was instead supposed to happen was I was supposed to follow some tracks back and then get to my first clue, uh, which is somebody who's frozen in the snow, and then have my first vision. Yeah, they were clueing all over the place. Yes. Got such a clue right such now. Such a good clue. And that would have led to the whole back of t- half of town that I did last because oh, wow. I had – and so – Everything was out of order for my playthrough because I missed that one little thing, which is you actually can totally get around the tree. It's super easy to get around the tree. It's not a big deal. There's right. the the map even kind of shows you how to get around the tree. Uh, but I not only so not only did I do it late, but when I did do it, I still didn't check to see if I could just drive around the tree, which you totally can do. And I did that entire half of town on foot. Wow, which is very slow. Wow, impressive and depressing. Is, is it? <laughs> and depressing. It, am I? Oh my gosh. <laughs> Uh, so I, I will say my I think my biggest gripe about the game because like, you get used to the controls they're not unusable or, or horrible but I think they they were just not intuitive maybe for me uh, so they took a while uh, but the biggest gripe I guess I would have about the game overall uh, would be that all of the clues are so far away from each other and it's not very uh, I guess intuitive or logical to me even in hindsight as to why they're kind of just laid out. Uh, and and the the pro to that I'm realizing is that the game is not linear. It fights really hard against linear gameplay, yeah. which is cool, especially for you know one of those walking simulator type feeling games. Uh, which always the biggest gripe against those is they they're so linear, right? You're basically just like yeah. playing a movie, and so this fights hard against that. And it's it goes back to like Day of the Tentacle, Sam and Max, like. First job is to go everywhere you can and pick up everything you can. If you do that at the beginning, you spend two or three hours doing that or more, uh, then you'll solve the game like an hour after that, right? Because so much about this game is finding little tiny things to unlock the next puzzle. And I did a lot of the game, the second half of the game with a walkthrough because I was tired of just like walking around and like looking for this one thing that was in a drawer five cabins down that was going to take me three hours to get to. Uh, I'm tired of opening 50 drawers and there only being one thing in that whole cabin that I needed. Uh, and so I, I think it's one of those games, if, if this came out in 1995, I would gripe against it a lot less. Yeah. Uh, but having the internet and having, I guess, games that maybe are a little bit more linear, I guess is the right word for it, but maybe hint a little quicker. Is that yeah. a good way to put that? Yeah. As far as the direction to which you should go next to, to continue the story. Um, if that came, I mean, if it came out and I was ten years old playing this in 1995, then I wouldn't, I wouldn't care. I'd be like, yeah, I'm just walking around. What do you, what did you do yesterday? I spent four hours in Kona walking around in a snowstorm with my brother, and it was the coolest thing ever. And we didn't accomplish anything, but it was cool just looking at trees and snow. Yeah, yeah. And that just doesn't really fly. I think when I'm 33 and I'm like, okay, what's the next thing? I got to get the next thing. Come on, come on. Yeah, that would have been, worked a lot better if we weren't under crunch. I, yeah. I just think it needed more testing. Yeah. You know, this yeah. isn't buggy stuff, but this is just no. the, the the play stuff. And this is something that happens a lot when you test your own game. Um, I'm doing a revise and resubmit on a video game that I'm submitting for an article in a Canadian journal, actually, oh. um, right now. So one of the things I'm noting is that a lot of the kind of complaints that reviewers had are the kinds of things that it's just difficult to find when you play it yourself. 
So yeah. I had 15 different people play it before I submitted it the first time. And I got a lot of good feedback from that, but you just can't get everything. You just need always need more testing because those are the things you just can't see yourself. So things like, you know, this is way over here. Or one thing for me that I never would have figured out without a walkthrough was that I connect the magnet to the thing by the sink uh, to put a string on the magnet. Uh, oh, there's wire sitting on a, on a desk and you connect the wire to the magnet to get a key to something. And I never would have figured that out because there's a little icon there that it just shows you, you know, what do you need to put this thing together? But I could never see what was in the icon. Like my, my eyes could never pick it up. It was just a little bit too small for me. Got it. I think it would have worked, you know, not on a switch, but because of that, it just never showed that I had the thing and it said connect wire. And I was like, Oh, I gotta, I guess I better go find the wire before I can do this thing. It's like, no, no, no. The thing it's showing me is the magnet that I already have, but I left in my car. And so if I would just bring the magnet inside, I could do this thing. But I didn't know that. Wow. Jeez. <sighs> so, yeah. so that's just a testing thing. Yeah. I think one of the things that I keep going back to in the more and more games we play and why, I mean, one of the reasons we started this podcast is those old school LucasArts games, those really just big kind of like uh, genre defining games, Day of the Tentacle, Maniac Mansion, Zach McCracken, all the Monkey Islands. They do an amazing job at tying the puzzles, those tiny micro puzzles, into the story of the characters and of the overall game. Yeah, like think about putting the wine into a t- into a time machine to get vinegar in the future, like stuff like that, Such where a good puzzle. It, it makes sense with all the characters, it makes sense with the overall story. And this, there was a disconnect for me in this game, where enough for all of them, but a lot of the puzzles that just seemed like you had to get caribou for some random guy, and if you, when you meet the guy, you have no idea what caribou is. And when you get to the caribou, you don't really know how to make it. It just got, it didn't really, I think. And the instructions on how to make it aren't actually how you make it. <laughs> That's a good point. So there were some frustrating points that it just didn't tie in well enough to me. I, I think disconnected is probably the best word for it. Uh, but, but other than that, I liked a lot of the puzzles within it. Uh, it made me feel very accomplished when I could get the power, get, you know, get the key and the power and the generator on to lift up the car to get the, the crowbar and stuff like that. Or, I mean, there was plenty of good puzzles. Uh, but I think you're right. I think the the uh, the game testing to kind of tie those into the story, maybe make the individual puzzles a little more linear, a little less just like pointing and clicking and searching and, and going through every single cabinet in the whole place to find one little key or whatever it might be or magnet in your case. Yeah, my my big critique comes back to the first two things I told you when I started playing it, which was narration and navigation. I didn't really like the narrator. And then um, the navigation was really tough. Just to get yeah. around with that car, it just that doesn't map. drive well. It's like driving through a snowstorm. You know, accomplished. Uh, yeah. It's terrible. That's that does not sound like fun, and it's not. But because those two things are so fundamental to the moment by moment gameplay, there was just a a kind of low level annoyance throughout the game that uh, it kept me from enjoying it. I think as much as I could, especially when it does create atmosphere so well. Yeah, I think that the 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 HUD is something I always have an issue with. The heads up display of of any game. Uh, just internally, I have like an internal conflict with myself uh, playing. I think Witcher 3 was the first time where I was like, oh, should I turn that off and just like run around? There's a big kind of de- debate online in uh, Red Dead 2 of people who played the entire game, probably still playing. I don't know if these people have finished the game without the HUD, without the in screen map at all. And they literally just explore like they're there and they have, don't have a map. They don't have north, south, east, west, and they don't have little things that light up to say they should go to this thing next to do the next mission. And they're still uh, on that first mission. I know. Like, but they're the so Hosea? They are so immersed. Micah's not a real character. People keep talking about Micah. I'm, Man. Just, I'm just in this snowstorm still. I didn't know I could wander <laughs> this far. 
Man. Uh, and I, I started playing uh, Assassin's Creed Odyssey last week. And it actually starts the game with which type of game would you like to play? I can't remember the name it gives it, but basically like a traditional game with a heads-up display and it kind of tells you what mission to go to next. Or immersive gameplay, I think is the word they use, which is their suggested way of, it's the right way to play. The, the way that, or, or not Origins, the way that Odyssey was meant to be played from the developers, which is no heads-up display, no indications as to what mission you should do next, no map on the screen. You literally walk around from person to person, place to place, island to island, war to war, just like being like, hey guys, what's up? What are you doing here? <laughs> like, no idea where to go. Like, I can't imagine playing that. And I mean, they explicitly say in the game, this is how the game is meant to be played. And I could not imagine playing a game like that. And it just seems like, yes, more immersive, but so many lost hours just like wandering around looking for one tiny little like pinpoint on your map that you're a waypoint on your map that you're you might never find man and so this game sorry getting back to kona uh was was tough much smaller map than all those other games like i like that i was talking about but it, the game seemed overwhelmingly huge for i think the snowstorm combined with the the lack of navigational clarity that we had on uh, looking at that in-screen map that you had to press m to pull up and then right click to look at and kind of scroll around and uh it was clunky to say the least yeah yeah. yeah, and let's talk about that that finish with battling the Wendigo. Yeah, because uh, that's that's a really big shift in gameplay. Big, yeah. And so, uh, also, that's the answer to why is there a blizzard? Oh, thank you. Uh, and it, and it's the Wendigo, basically. Thank you. I didn't even uh, put that has, together. Has caused it. Yeah. Um. This this force of unnatural cold. Okay. Uh, which kind of connects back to that my own pop culture version of it, which is why do you eat another person? It's because you're in a blizzard, right? Or it's because um, Frank was getting you back for eating all his meat, and sure. your sweet D. And Charlie, and that's what happens. And you get a taste for human meat. <laughs> I had forgotten that. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. Either way, I mean, they happen for different reasons. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so yes. during the last uh, sequence in the game, you and, and that's also what's called causing the visions. Yes, uh, is as you interact with that, you just there's a thinning between the supernatural and natural realms. The veil oh. cannot hold. There's a tear there nice. uh, between this world and the next. Uh, and so uh, during one of these visions, you see a big old frozen Wendigo with a steam and arrow in him. And you're like, well, I'm literally not allowed to do any other actions. So I guess I'm pulling the arrow out of this Wendigo. Yeah. That's when the game gets super linear, I guess. Huh? Yes. Yeah. And it really mandates that linearity by when you get chased by the, by the Wendigo the Wendigo literally puts up walls around you so you can only go one direction. Yes. And you'd think if the Wendigo is really trying to get you, they you just, like, close that wall off. Did right? you just, die? Just, yes. What happens when you die? I it's thought I was going to die so many times. That like, freaking Wendigo was screaming the most horrifying scream. Oh. I was I was literally sweating playing that part. Yep. And then the, That you, was the scariest the, game I played in a long time. That, that For me, too. Um, the, All credit to the game. And I was mainly annoyed. And then... During that chase, it was like, nope, I'm in. Yeah, ah. I, was, I was totally in. I ran out of bullets a couple times. I did get annoyed at the wolf that was just kind of jumping up occasionally. When, you didn't shoot uh, it? While I'm getting chased by the Wendigo. Yeah, I shot it. But oh, I'm just like, gotcha. Why? No, no, no. <laughs> Come on, video game. I want to pause for a second. Let's just talk this out. Yeah. Why? That's fair. Why ghost wolf? What, so what happens when you die? Is that uh, so, and when I died, it's right when you get to that train station and you come around the corner and oh, then the window gosh. goes coming through the fence Oh my! Gosh. and I turned around and I started running backwards. I'm like, nope, I was supposed to run forward two feet and turn left. I see it now. Yeah. I can't do that now. 
Now I just have to wait. Here comes the Winnego, and oh, yep, he's terrifying. This is terrifying. I hate it. <laughs> oh gosh, that thing was scary. He, just, he uh, grabs you and pulls you up, and like you can see his his hand as though he's kind of like holding you by one hand in the air. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, you know the the mechanic where you get cold, and all of a sudden the sides kind of yeah. Like yeah you could, oh, I like, love that you could see like the veins in your eyeballs. That starts happening. That was cool. And it starts getting intense and intense until like just completely you freeze over. It reminded me of Gold Knight. Yeah. Except I don't yeah. think that happened in Gold Knight. It was just the blood. Man, I died so many times. Anyway, cool. So good. Our job's the best, but he's cheating. Okay, what should we... What's the beer? What is the song? This game's pretty fun With frustration When I was all done I just had to question What's the beer? What's the song? I just want to know what game is Westy 12. All right, Jay, you go first this time. Uh, what's the beer? I went with Deep Ellum IPA. Uh, it's a beer I had earlier this week. Local beer, Texas, right? Local beer. Yep, Deep Ellum is in Dallas and uh, had it at a Mellow Mushroom Pizza Parlor in Arlington, Texas. And um, yeah, it was, it was um, fine. wasn't great. And uh, so I ordered something different for my next beer. Um, and that's sorry, but kind of how I feel about this game. Uh, it's not a, it's not a game I'm angry at. I'm not, you know, how dare this will be in my mouth. Uh, I thought it did a lot of things well, but it didn't connect with me in some of the ways that I was hoping it would. And so that's fine. On to the next one. I'll be okay. All right. Fair enough. Uh, I went with, of course, scotch. Uh, and I went with one that speaks to me like this game did for a couple reasons. It's, uh, Dalwini's Game of Thrones edition, uh, for House Stark. Uh, entitled Winter's Frost, mm. right? So we're talking nice. about the North, the house, yes, the king of the king of the North, king of the North, uh, and lots of snow, lots of woods. That's exactly. I mean, it's basically Canada. Game of Thrones yeah. is Canada. It is, or at least the North, uh, and it tastes like. Actually, you know what? Uh, our good friend, friend of the pod, uh, GFOP, uh, Nicholas Gates made a blend of. I want to say it's twenty five percent Lafroig, seventy five percent this Dalwini. Uh, and it tastes like he would describe it. Tastes it like walking through the Oregon State camp, or sorry, Oregon State. Sorry, sorry, Nick. The University of Oregon uh, campus on a cool winter evening, uh, as like the fall leaves are slowly going down, and uh, the the soil has recently been rained upon, uh, and you kind of get that dirt mildew smell in the air, and the crisp winter leaves going on. Uh, and that's that's kind of what was going on, at least for the first 30 seconds of this game, until it turned yeah. to hell. Uh, and that's when the, the Winter's Frost took over. Oh, but yeah, it's just kind of like a, a sweet, yummy, delicious kind of sellout of a, of a scotch. <laughs> mm. uh, but anyway, let's move on. My song, speaking of sellouts, yeah, is the classic Ice Ice Baby by Vanilla Ice. And a lot of people are like, oh my gosh, Ben, of course you picked the one that has three ices in the title. Uh, but no, I picked it because of the second verse. Dance, bum rush the speaker that booms, boom when you write. As soon as you go into that general store, right? You're running in. You're yeah, like, yeah. Where's my money? Who paid uh, me? Killing your brain like a poisonous mushroom. Right. How did this guy die? Was it murder? Right. Was it poison? Was it? Could it do, anything to do with the gunshot in his belly? I don't know. It could have been a poisonous mushroom. Deadly. When I play a dope melody, right? Because there's the, less than the best is everywhere. Everywhere you go. There's a record player or a radio playing that right. creepy, creepy dope melody. Anything yes, less than the best is a felony. Melody. If you don't do your best, you'll die. 
Or yeah. it'll be a crime. Or go, to, go to jail. Uh, love it or leave it. That's what we're talking about today. That I can't wait. Uh, you better hit a bullseye. Kid, don't play. When you're running from the mm. Bezor, the Wendigo. The Bezor. Not the Bezor. Yes. <laughs> yes, the, the ball from... of hair in the yeah. intestines. Yes. Yeah. You better hit a bullseye or a wolf's eye. The kid don't play if there was a problem. Yo! I'll solve it. I'll solve it. That's what we did in the game. Check out the hook while my DJ revolves it. That's what we did. That's it. We did all those things. It's the game. It's just thank you, Vanilla Ice, for telling the future and telling us of of color. Love it or leave it. You better gain weight. You better hit bulls out of kid don't play. If there was a problem, yo, I'll solve it. Check out the hook while my DJ revolves it. Can you read your bullet point from the notes? Because I actually think that that's also phenomenal. Oh, did I? Uh, yeah, let me read that for you. Uh, it's on its surface. Uh, it's fun and accessible, but upon closer inspection, it quickly becomes problematic. Yeah, there you go. There I should have just stuck with that. Also, the second part. I like that. All right. I like what do you that. got, Jay? What's your song? <laughs> Mine is also probably fairly problematic. Uh, I won't think about it, though, because I like the Violent Femmes. Oh, this so is good. a song by the Violent Femmes called Country Death Song. That's a rough and one. I don't know of music that better encapsulates isolation, loneliness, and madness. Uh, they're not not typical emotional states that are described in song, uh, but man, are they ever in this song. That's a rough one. This is a song we liked before we had kids. Oh, yeah. I had me a wife. I had me some daughters. I tried so hard. I never knew still waters. Nothing to eat and nothing to drink. Anyway, uh, so Jay, what else are we talking about? What else uh, have you been playing? Diablo 3, I finally got to go back to it. Oh, it's good so good. Good for you. I know you like that. It's I'm so, so proud of you. good. Ugh. Wow. Wow. It's one of those games you beat a bunch of times, or is it like an 80-hour game? What Dude, are you talking about? not only do you beat it a bunch of times, I finally found out how to do the season play, which is the online play. Okay. Uh, that, remember, I had screwed up the first time and started an online player. And that had removed all of my progress, and I had to start the game all over. And I was, like, so pissed. But then I was like, I kind of love this game, and I kind of want to start it over. That's awesome. What it is, is the seasons are about a month long, maybe two months, something like that. And every time a new season starts, you're supposed to just start the game over. Oh, got it. And get as much as you can. Got it. Like, in that month. And then uh, whatever you get at the end of that month, like, you get specialty items. And they they go to your main uh, non-season character. So you're, you're managing a bunch of different characters. Oh, okay. Nice. And then they, they just all fall back to your, your kind of main character that you would do for uh, other kinds of play. Nice. Yeah. I recently had a video game night, which I have not had Ooh. in years, but had uh, a friend of mine uh, came over. He brought his two kids over. Uh, they're eight and ten years old. And we got a bunch of Xbox One controllers. And we got on my 110-inch big screen in the basement, or projector screen. And we played uh, four-player split screen. So each player has their own 55-inch screen, basically. Uh, Halo 4, just combat, going against each other for days. It was great. And then Rocket League, which I hadn't played before. Never played it. 20 bucks Rocket League. It is a lot of fun, dude. It is $20 worth soccer, of fun, right? for sure. It's car soccer, man. It's Boom. amazing. Boom. I get uh, it. And, I mean, there's people that dive in that are like, I mean, there's a lot of esports around Rocket League, right? So it's it's a huge game. You can customize everything out the wazoo. We literally downloaded it and started playing it. So I, I wasn't diving into any of the online player or anything uh, or single player stuff at all. But it was literally just like, hey, let's play soccer with the four of us. Uh, threw a couple bots in there. Really, really fun. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to play uh, what we just picked earlier tonight as the game we're playing next, which is Night in the Woods. And I think you put this on the list, didn't you? I did. I'm so excited. All right, tell me about it. 
it is so I don't know much because I haven't played it yet. But it is, from what I understand, fairly twee. Um, ex- expect uh, that there will be irony and millennial humor yeah. uh, every which way. Yep. Um, lots of endearing woods with, creatures. Oh yes, woodland creatures who have depression. Yes, and uh, uh, and enjoy uh, bands' musics before they sell that. Uh, oh, that's the kind sure. of vibe I get. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I'm I'm excited to play this game. I've been thinking about it for a while. It's been on the list. They were into Mumford and Sons when it was just Mumford. Yeah, yeah. Before, uh, but yeah, before designed by had kids. Right, exactly. When Mumford was a bachelor, uh, but designed by Alec Halauka, uh, and available. It's available on Switch, PS4, Android, Xbox One, iOS, Windows, Mac OS, and Linux. So wherever you play, were you Commodore sixty four? It's playing and a uh, piece of technology near you. So Sega enjoy CD, that. you are SOL. <laughs> right. Yeah, sorry, Dreamcast. Uh, but yeah, I, are you going to play it on your Switch? I kind of want to download it for the Switch. I already own it for uh, Mac, so I'll probably play it there. Um, but if it's on sale, maybe. I don't think I've downloaded it yet, so I'm not sure what I'll play it on. I think, I think I'll play it on my on Xbox right One. I want to play it on the big screen. Check, check to see if it's on sale right now on the Switch. You know you're allowed to play your Switch on the big screen. That's a good point. It's it's It actually switches. I thought I had to... Wait, we'll talk about this later. Unless I, that's I don't understand puzzle. it yet. What's Unless the puzzle? That's the that's puzzle. The puzzle. Puzzles. Mm. All right. Uh, I think that's all we have. Anything else, Jay? Uh, I got nothing. All right. Thanks again for joining us. As always, uh, you, you can check out our website, menoflowmallfiber.com. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Hit us up at any of those places if you have questions, comments, concerns. And you can always email us at monthpod at gmail.com. M-O-L-M-F-P-O-D at gmail.com. Uh, and if you really like our show, We'd love for you to support us financially at patreon.com slash M-O-L-M-F. Every dollar makes a difference. Thank you so much. Uh, and as always, I have been Ben. I will be Jason. And I'm a mighty snow pirate. And Carl was pretty sure he hadn't solved all the mysteries of this game yet. But you know what? <laughs> on to the next one. <laughs> See you guys.